Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Church. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on social media or visit us at harvestak.com. We pray that the message would encourage you and challenge you to grow in your faith with Jesus Christ. Enjoy the message. You know, it's um, Pastor David uh, is, is gone this week, and one of the things that he's been talking uh, with us about the past couple of weeks has been spiritual gifts. And in particular, he's talked a lot about how there are gifts in each of us. And one thing that's so amazing to me about the service that we're in right now is I can so clearly see additional gifts being operated in. And I'm excited to see some of the giftings in each of you come out over the next... um, just the life of this church as you continue to grow and walk in everything that he has for you. There are giftings that he's placed inside of you. And I want to pick up today kind of where Pastor David left off. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12, and he was talking about spiritual gifts. I want to go on and look at the passage of scripture that talks about one body with many parts. And in particular, I want to focus how the operation of the gifts brings unity and harmony to the body of Christ. And so that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. But I I want to just mention a couple of things really quickly. First, I want to thank Paul and Sarah for leading worship. That was such a blessing, you guys. And, And I just want to publicly state there are giftings there. There are giftings there. And it's been, it's been a while for you, but there's a gifting there. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that the two of you are walking in those giftings and doing what the Lord has called you to do. Um, Monica, no one makes announcements as awesome as you do. It's it's interesting. We'll we'll be in a staff meeting, and we'll be talking about, um, well, who could we get to host this week? And everybody's like, well, Monica, because announcements are awesome when Monica does them. And if it, no, but (laughs) the Lord is actually raising up new people. If you were to come to the first service, June Rowland has just been amazing. She gets more comfortable every time she's up here. And she was talking this morning about how she's, you know, she says, I get so nervous being in front of everybody. And I'm thinking, I don't know that that ever really goes away. Um, I'm not a super comfortable person being up here, but I also recognize that the Lord has called us to do certain things, and he wants us to step out in faith and operate in those giftings. I'm actually much more comfortable either leading music or just talking to children, which is, I teach, so I teach elementary music for a living, and so, um, and I have former students here, Um, and so... For me, that's a, that's a comfort zone. That feels okay. Talking to adults is a little bit, um, I don't want to say scary, but it's definitely different. And so um, I, praise God, though, that we are moving into the giftings he's called us to do as a body of Christ. And there are more of you that are going to move into your giftings. I truly believe that. Next week, Zach Lale is preaching. You don't want to miss that. Zach is an incredible preacher. He's better than me. So you'll want to come and hear him for sure. (laughs) Different giftings, actually. Different giftings, right? And uh, it's going to be a powerful word. But you want to come and you want to see that. And you want to embrace the giftings that God has put in you. You want to discover them. 
and you want to operate in them. And we're going to talk about how that brings us into unity today. So the title of my message this morning is, There is no weakest link. And my wife told me that I was dating myself with this reference. Um, You might, do you remember this game show called The Weakest Link? Like, I remember it. I guess I'm getting older. Um, But I remember this game show called The Weakest Link. And the idea, you know, basically, if somebody went out on the show, the kind of the statement was, you are the weakest link, goodbye. And it was kind of abrupt, and it was, you know, um, I don't want to say cruel, but it was definitely kind of harsh. It was like, it definitely wasn't a participation medal, right? And so, but I thought about that. I thought about that phrase, you know, the weakest link. It's a phrase that we use, the weakest link. And I thought about that in the context of this scripture in 1 Corinthians, where Paul talks about one body with many parts operating in their giftings. And the truth of the matter is, when you look at the scripture, the truth is, there is no weakest link. There is no weakest link in the body of Christ. Every gifting is important. Every calling has value. And everybody contributes to the body of Christ. That's the way it's designed to work. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. But to get us warmed up, I have an introductory exercise. You got yourself in trouble when you invited a music teacher to (laughs) preach. And actually, this went great in first service. I was a little nervous about this because with kids, it goes so much better. But with adults, it was kind of, but this actually went really, really good in first service. So I'm encouraged. I think we, you, and there's more of you, so we can do this, okay? So I want to, I want to teach you something that might bring you back to your camp days. And what this is called is, it has a fancy music term. It's called a rhythmic ostinato. Here's what that means. It just means I'm going to teach each section a rhythmic phrase. I'm going to speak something. If I want to get fifth graders interested in this, I tell them it's a rap but that's, let's not focus on rap too much, okay? Um, it's, it's got rhythm to it, and it's repeated over and over again. That's, that's what the term ostinato means. It means something that's repeated over and over again. So I want to teach you each of these parts separately, and each grouping is going to be in charge of a certain part. And your job, after I teach it to you, will be to say that over and over again, Okay. And we'll try to layer in all the parts and see if we can make it happen. And I think it's going to model this concept of one body with many parts for you in a, in a beautiful way. So that being said, it's summer in Alaska. At least it is for another week until I have to go back to the classroom. And that means we're going to talk about a camping trip today. So you guys over here, that's this whole section. Your phrase sounds like this. And I better look at the music because I don't want to mess this up. It's been a little while with COVID since I actually taught in a classroom. <laughs> I'm a video producer now. That's what, no, that's actually, yeah. Um, here's your phrase. It sounds like this. Going a camping trip. Wait, going on a camping trip. Wait, going on a camping trip. Wait, going on a camping trip. Wait. Now, that weight is actually really, really important because if you understand something about music, that weight is actually a rest. But the rest is really, really important when we layer in the other parts because if you skip that part, it's all going to fail miserably. It's gonna, <laughs> so no pressure. Just think about that and make sure you do it. Um, it's actually, and it sounds cooler, even though I taught you to say weight, when we actually do it, just say wait inside your head. Does that make sense? So you're thinking it internally. I know you guys are like, yeah, we got it. We're adults, not kids. Okay, <laughs> got it. 
part two, that's you guys. Now, you guys get the hardest part, but, but there's more of you, so you can, you can do this. And you got Todd, who's a drummer, so you can't go wrong with Todd back there, okay? So your part sounds like this. It's a little bit harder. It also has a rest at the very end of it. It sounds like this. Zeep, mosquito, zap, slap. Zeep, mosquito, zap, slap. Zeep, mosquito, zap, slap. Zeep, mosquito, zap, slap. Good. Now, I didn't mention this, but you guys are being great sports. You have to kind of speak confidently for this to work. If you decide not to talk, it's just going to crash and burn. And you should know, I mean, we are live streaming across the world, so there's no pressure, <laughs> there's no pressure to get it right the first time. No, I think we'll, we'll, we got this. We got this, right? Okay, you guys have this part. Now, there's no rest in your part at all, which actually, yeah, Liberty's like, we got it, we got it. Okay, <laughs> goes, like, goes like this, okay? I don't know if I taught this to your class, Liberty, but here it is. It sounds like this. Who put my, uh, wait, 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 hold on. I better look at it. Who put the rocks underneath my soggy sleeping bag? Who put the rocks underneath my soggy sleeping bag? Who put the rocks underneath my soggy sleeping bag? Perfect. Let's try putting it together because we can't spend too much time on an introduction. You guys ready over here? All right, here we go. So we're going to start with this group. And once I let you guys go, you just keep going and I'll bring in all the other groups. And some of you are here going, what was our part again? <laughs> <laughs> I'll help you. We got it. You can do it, okay? All right. Going on a camping trip. 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 Zeep, mosquito, zap, slap. Zeep, mosquito, zap, slap. Zeep, mosquito, Who put the rocks underneath my soggy sleeping bag? Who put the rocks underneath my soggy sleeping bag? Very nice, very nice. Hey, you guys did it. You did it. Now, there's, there's two important things I want you to take away from this ridiculous exercise, which is actually more spiritual than you think. I have a connection here, okay? I'm not just teaching you random things. There's two important things to take away from this exercise that demonstrate the passage that we're about to read together, one body with many parts. The first is that every single part that I taught you, each of your parts, worked by itself. It operated independently. It was unique in its own way. No other part was like it. The second thing that I want you to remember is that if I were to, if I were to write this out, you would see it more clearly. But each of these parts, if we line them up, they complement each other. Fear with each other. So the person that wrote this musically Every little nuance, all those little rests. You guys had a rest right in the middle of yours. All those little rests and nuances allowed the other parts to shine when it was their time. Now, even though you guys, your part seemed the most repetitive and mundane, you were the only people that actually got to talk at the, at the end. 
these, these two parts had a rest. You might not have picked that up. You were the only ones that got to say something at the end in that musical example. So the point is this. In the body of Christ, each of us has value. Each of us has purpose. We're one body with many parts. We don't lose our uniqueness, but instead we come together in what is called harmony and unity, and we complement each other, and that'll be our focus of our message today. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. The Apostle Paul writes, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the human body has different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would it be if it had only one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. So I want to pause here, and I want to talk about this just a little bit. So the Apostle Paul is likening the body of Christ to the human body. And he's saying that just like the human body has different parts that all work together to help the body function, so the body of Christ is the exact same way. We have different members that all work in different giftings that help the body of Christ function in completeness and wholeness. Can you live without certain parts in your body? Sure. There's some parts of your body that you can live without, but every part is helpful in some way. Even the parts that you didn't think were helpful. I never knew some of this until I actually started researching for this message. So your appendix, that little thing. Actually, has anybody actually had their appendix removed? It's usually a few, right? Okay. So the appendix, now there's medical personnel in here that maybe they'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think I'm good. I have good, good uh, Google skills here. So <laughs> no, I actually looked at reputable sources. I didn't pull anything off the internet. So your appendix... Turns out it's not worthless after all. Research has found that the appendix might play a key role in our immune systems by harboring good bacteria that help fight infection. So ever spend too long in a swimming pool? Get wrinkly fingers, right? Wrinkly toes, right? Did you know that actually that could have a purpose? In an article in the journal Biology Letters from 2013, they conducted experiments and found that underwater objects were manipulated much more adroitly by wrinkled fingers than unwrinkled fingers, suggesting that the feature exists to give us improved grip in both handling objects and walking when wet surfaces are involved. Our creator does not make mistakes, does he? Amazing, right? Now, your pinky toe. Now, some of you probably know that you really do need your pinky toe, actually. (laughs) I mean, it seems kind of worthless, right? But actually, it's, it's very important in keeping you balanced. Whether you're barefoot or, walking, uh, or wearing shoes, your pinky is the smallest, but it's crucial to maintain your balance. Helps to think of your foot as having a triangular base of balance. The triangle is formed by three points, your big toe, your pinky toe, and your heel. 
Damage to any part of that triangle can throw off your balance. So the, the point is this. Maybe you felt like before that you didn't fit in or there was not a place for you or your gifting wasn't valuable. Nothing could be further from the truth. Every part of the body is not only needed, but essential for the full operation of the body. And to do exactly what the Lord's called us to, to walk in unity, we're going to see that we need everybody to be able to do that. So let's continue. Verse 22, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect the parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. So look at verse 22 again. Some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Have you considered this? This is a principle that plays out in the natural all the time. The things that we, we perceive to be the least important actually are the most important. Have you ever been to a concert? Okay. Well, if you've been to a concert... I'm going to give you musical examples because that's just, it's easy for me to relate, okay? But if you've been to a concert, the things that you walk away with remembering, well, maybe you remember the incredible lead singer, right? Like, man, that lead singer, that was awesome. Or maybe you remember the electric guitar solos, right? Great electric guitar solos. How many of you have ever walked away from a concert and said, man, that rhythm section we're so tight. Kept the band together all two hours. <laughs> Not unless you were a musician, perhaps, because musicians sometimes appreciate those things, right? Or if you're a drummer, Todd probably has walked away like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the point is this, okay? And we're going to look at this in the Bible as well, but I'm giving you some examples in the natural right now. The point is this. Those things that we often perceive to be the weakest are the most important. Take, for example, and there's no, there's no condemnation when I say this, so don't everybody bum rush him at the end of service, okay? How many of you have ever walked back at the end of worship and told Israel, amazing mixing, band sounded great? People will come up and tell me when they appreciate worship, and that's okay. I, I receive, that's okay. That's not, there's, you know, we don't need to operate in false humility. It's okay to say thank you, Okay. <laughs> But have you thought about how all those parts come together? How many of you have thanked the children's workers? Amen. There are parts that are so critical to what the body of Christ does. That we, and we forget them. It's easy to do. We all do it. I do it. I get busy. You know, I, I can't tell you the last time I thanked a children's worker. And my kids are probably there more than everybody's. And when they're dealing with my kids, they really need to be thanked. Hey, the point is this, right? Even those parts that we perceive to be the least important 
are of significance in the body of Christ. And when we do, look at what it says happens. When we operate in those giftings and we, we uphold those parts that we perceive to be the weakest, it says in verse 25, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. He uses a musical term, actually, and we're going to see that today. The word harmony is used interchangeably with the word unity in quite a few of the scriptures that we're looking at. And, and it's, it's intentionally there. The word harmony is to help us to understand this concept. So we're going to look at, we're looking to look at three different ways. Well, not really three different ways. But we're going to look at three different aspects of unity. We're going to look at God's plan for unity in the body of Christ. We're going to look at how we operate in unity, how it's practiced. And finally, we're going to talk about the power of unity and what that releases when, when the body of Christ operates in unity in the way that the Bible says to operate it. What, what kind of power, what happens, what is released? So I want to go back to the very beginning when we talk about the plan for unity. And I want to look at a scripture from the book of Genesis, right as God is creating man. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Go back to verse 26. Did you catch the reference? I've, I've capitalized it for you. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Who's he talking to? The Trinity. The Trinity existed from the beginning. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Think about we were literally created out of unity. It's embedded in our DNA. Unity is a part of our being because it's how we were, we were created out of unity. God's plan from the beginning, the very beginning, was always that we walk in unity. It's always been that. Just as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work in harmony, that's his intent for us. That's how we were created. Look at what Jesus prayed John chapter 17. Now this actually, this passage here, a little bit of context, this is the prayer of Jesus. It's one of the final things recorded before Jesus is arrested. And many of you are familiar with this passage of scripture. The beginning of this passage, this chapter, Jesus is praying that he would be glorified. And then he, he shifts. He prays that the apostles would be sanctified. And then in verse 20, again, his focus changes. He prays for unity in the body of Christ. And that's what we're going to look at, verse 20. But before I read this to you, I want to read a commentary to you on this particular passage that I think is going to bless you. This commentary is called The Miracle of Oneness. Unity is Christ's miracle of oneness. In this chapter, we hear his prayer for the same oneness for his disciples that he has with the Father. He and the Father share the same purpose, plan, and power. Christ often reminds us that he came not to do his own will, but to do the Father's will. Likewise, our unity is dependent on sharing the priority of seeking and doing the Lord's will. 
His desire for us is to reach those who do not know him, so they too may become one with us and others who have accepted him as Lord of their lives. The equation of oneness is profound and yet very simple. One plus one plus one equals one. Everybody's going, what? Christ, ourselves, and another equals oneness. Listen to this. It is Christ in our brother or sister who reaches out to Christ in us. We are united in and through him. It is the miracle of the indwelling Christ. So Jesus' prayer for unity, verse 20, John chapter 17. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And they may be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So there's two things that Jesus focuses on as really the goal of the plan for unity. The first, he says, he prays that we would experience such perfect unity that the world will know the Father sent him. So our unity should be a witness to everyone around us. Our unity should witness that Jesus came to the earth. And the second thing he prays is that we would know the Father loves us as he loves Jesus. That's the second thing that he prays. So there's the second goal. Not only does he pray that our unity would be a witness, but he prays that our unity would display the love of Christ. And, and that's really the key. That's the plan. The plan for unity is that it's a witness for Jesus and it displays the love of Christ. Ultimately, it should bring glory to God. Look at Romans 15, 5 through 7. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you to live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. That's the result. It's a witness that Jesus came. It shows his love, and the result is God has given glory. That's, that's the plan for unity. Here's another, here's another commentary. And this one, Pastor David has me on all these commentaries now. He's rubbing off on me a little bit. Um, this, one, this one's kind of academic, so please be gracious with this one. It, it is a little academic. But, but there's some powerful truths in this that I want you to get today. Jesus' famous statements in John 17 are rooted in the profound spiritual unity between the Father and the Son and with those whom God has chosen out of the world. I ask that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Note, the witness to the world is that the disciples are in the Father and the Son so that the world might believe. Now, this is it right here. This is vastly more, deeply more than being related through a common organization. 
Unity goes far beyond the walls of Harvest Church. It extends to the rest of the body of Christ. We often don't think about that, but it's a concept for the entire body of Christ. The oneness that shines with self-authenticating glory for the world to see is union with the Father and the Son so that the glory of the Father and Son is part of our lives. The glory that you have given me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. That glory is owing to this, I in them and you in me. From this union with God and the glory it gives shines something the world may see if God gives them eyes to see. God's aim for this vertically rooted, horizontal, glorying, displaying unity is that he might gather into one the children of God scattered abroad. The ultimate aim of such Christian unity is the glory of God. That's why Paul prays, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So, the plan for unity, it existed from the beginning. It was always part of his plan. It's in our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is united, right? They operate in harmony with each other. That model is for us as well. We were created out of that. Jesus prayed for us to be united so that it would be a witness to the world and so that the world would know that he loves them, right? That the Father loves them the same way that he loved Jesus. And the end, of it, the end result is that God is given the glory. But the question is then, is how do, we, how do we operate in unity? What does it actually look like when we put it into practice? I think some of us, at least I know for me, growing up in the church, I didn't really have a good idea of what unity actually look like. I mean, it's a nice concept to talk about, but what does it actually look like in day-to-day living? What does it look like when you put it into practice? How does it even work? Does it mean that I never disagree with you? Does it mean that, you know, uh, we're all just kind of, we all dress the same and we all... No, that's not at all what it means. Think back to the example that we did at the very beginning. Every part was unique. No two parts were the same, and they complemented each other. I want to model this using a musical term because that's what Paul uses. He likens unity to harmony. So I want to model this for you on the, on the keyboard. So Israel, if you'll go ahead and unmute the keyboard for me, I'll turn it back on here. This is what Paul is getting at here, okay? There's a reason why this term harmony is used. And, and I'm not going to make you sing in harmony. Um, after you hear my piano playing, you might prefer that. Um, but I'll keep, it, I'll keep it fairly simple here. So here's the idea behind harmony. Harmony is created when three or more notes essentially come together. Now, it's not just random. You can't just, you know, pick anything and make it happen because that really doesn't sound pleasing. That's not harmony. Those notes are not working together, right? You, you see that. I hear that, I hope. But, but what if... One brother in Christ starts to operate in his gift. And then you have another brother in Christ or sister operating in the gift. And another one comes in. Now we have harmony. We have three notes that complement each other that sound good. 
And for the part of history, that was fully acceptable, classical harmony. But let's go 20th century, right? So what if we have someone else come in? Still compliments, right? But what a unique sound. That's quite a bit different than that other sound. Think about all the unique ways that God is moving in our congregation, giftings. How many churches have you been to that have a barbecue ministry? Keep bringing that up as an example. That's because it's so awesome. Everybody, well, I mean, I like meat, but most of you do too, so I get excited about that ministry. <laughs> hey, what about this brother or sister here? Now, depending on your taste for jazz, I may, be, I may already be beyond what you consider acceptable and harmful. That all still sounds good to me, but I, I like jazz. You understand the concept here? That was six or seven different notes. No two notes the same. In fact, if you were to analyze them musically, they all vibrate at different frequencies. Their, their entire structure and makeup is different. But when you put them together like that carefully, and each one is vibrating at the frequency that it was designed to vibrate at, right. it creates harmony with the others, you see? If one of those notes goes out of tune and it tries to vibrate to a slightly different frequency, ooh, the whole thing can sound bad real quick. If you sing in a choir, choir teachers will spend hours tuning a choir. They'll have you hold notes and they'll be like, you know, usually it's tenors. Well, actually, often it's sopranos. <laughs> They'll have you tune the note, refine the note. See, that's why you can't operate in somebody else's gifting. You have to stay in your gifting, work in your calling, vibrate at the frequency that you were designed to vibrate at, for the example. That brings unity and harmony. That's when it complements the rest of the body. That's what it looks like really to practice unity, is to come together in a way that complements the others. Now, there's more to it than that. It's not this big, complicated thing. I think sometimes we feel like if to operate in unity, we have to develop this massive doctrinal statement, and we all have to agree to it, and we can't deviate from it. Now, don't mishear me. I am not saying that doctrine is bad. In fact, there are doctrinal statements and beliefs of our church that are non-negotiable, okay? That doctrine is important. Sound doctrine is critical. But what I'm saying is this. To come together in unity and harmony does not require us to agree on every single thing. And that's where we get hung up. We think that we have to. Or if we disagree with a brother or sister that we can't operate in, in harmony. But look at what the Apostle Paul said. He gave us a list on how to come together in unity and harmony. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he says this, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. That's not too complicated, is it? I mean, those are pretty... Any encouragement, do you belong to Christ? Okay, we can come together in harmony. Do you have comfort from his love? We can come together in harmony, right? Fellowship in the spirit together, tender and compassionate. 
These are not complicated ideas to come together in unity and harmony. But, but think about how divided we are in the body of Christ and how difficult of a concept we make this. So when we come together, it's love that binds us together in unity and harmony. That's what the Bible tells us in Colossians. Chapter 3. And I'm going to read starting in verse 12. This is how we work in unity and harmony once we come together. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Okay, here it is. Here's the key. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. What is it that binds us together in perfect harmony? It's love. So that's an easy thing to say. We use that word all the time, right? I love chocolate peanut butter ice cream. I do. But do... It's not the same, right? We use that term really loosely. We use the word, I love this, I love that. But what does it really mean to operate in love? Well, you guys know this passage. It says right here in, the, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which by the way, actually is the next chapter after the one we're reading. There might be a connection. <laughs> love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So now replace the word love in, first, in Colossians chapter 3 with what love is. Kindness binds us all together in perfect harmony. Patience binds us all together in perfect harmony. How do, we, how do we operate in perfect harmony? This, this is what we do. This is how we, how we work together with our brothers and sisters, is love. It's not easy. There's parts of this that have been speaking to me recently. Love is not irritable. I'm really irritable before coffee. Like, I don't want my kids to talk to me even. You might be able to relate to that. Love is always hopeful. Have you thought about what that means? It's pretty easy these days with social media to not be always hopeful. You can, you can open up social media and you can scroll on there and you can find things that, man, you can get offended so quickly, <laughs> Right? But this says that love is always hopeful. In other words, love believes the best. In order to operate in perfect harmony, we're going to have to believe the best about each other. Here's a practical thing. Never tackle a difficult topic via text. That will destroy harmony pretty quick. Because you can, you can make all sorts of assumptions about what they really mean. You don't hear their tone of voice. You don't hear anything else. You just see those words, right? 
So, that, and I'm preaching to myself there, you guys. I can, I mean, I can look at something like, what? <laughs> hey, you know, the Holy Spirit will make you delete the entire paragraph and just say, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thought about that? Yeah. Some of you need to delete the entire paragraph and just say, okay. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> so that's, that's how we work in harmony. It's love, it's kindness, it's patience. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. That's how we work in unity and harmony together. So let's talk about the power. I'm bringing this to a close. It's warm in here. There are many examples through history. I mean, you, you don't even have to, you don't have to dig into the word. We are going to dig into the word. But there are examples throughout history of the power of unity. You can see this concept played out in the natural very easily. And even people who are not believers understand this. They see the power of unity. Here's a children's tale for you that displays this perfectly. This story is called a bundle or the bundle of sticks. A certain father had a family of sons who were forever quarreling among themselves. No words he could say did the least good so he cast about in his mind for some very striking example that should make them see that discord would lead them to misfortune. One day, when the quarreling had been much more violent than usual, and each of the sons was moping in a surly manner, he's talking about my boys right now, <laughs> he asked one of them to bring him a bundle of sticks. Then handling the bundle to each of his sons in turn, he told them to try to break it. But although each one tried his best, none was able to do so. The father then untied the bundle and gave the sticks to his sons to break one by one. They did this very easily. My son, said the father, do you not see how certain it is that if you agree with each other and help each other, it will be impossible for your enemies to injure you? But if you are divided among yourselves, you will be no stronger than a single stick in that bundle. In unity is strength. So there's power, right? This is a story from the natural but it displays a spiritual concept that there's power in unity and the harmony that Christ has called us to. There's power. It can be both good and bad. Unity can, unity can display all sorts of evil too. Think about this. Remember when Jesus was arrested? He's brought before Herod and Pilate, right? And you remember the story. They kind of pass him off, right? Neither one of them wants to kind of deal with the issue. Did you know that Herod and Pilate were not so good of friends during this time? In fact, they actually hated each other. They, did, they were not fans of each other. But listen to this in Luke. And it's interesting that this is just, it's almost included as a little just by the way sort of thing. Dropped into scripture here. Luke 23, 12, it says that in that day, Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, became friends. So unity can be something for evil as well. What about the Tower of Babel? Right? I mean, we could, we could look at that story again. You might remember that from children's church or from when you were younger. If you're not familiar with the story, basically what happens, I'm going to paraphrase this in the interest of time. People decide to build this monument. And the monument essentially is, is for human glory. It's to, you know, something that they're proud of. We did it ourselves. And God looks down and he sees this and he says, is there nothing they can't do? 
And again, I'm paraphrasing. Is there nothing they can't do if they work together? So what does he do? He scatters them and confuses them, right? So the Tower of Babel, unity can be an evil thing as well, but it can also be good. You guys know this scripture. Jesus said that if two or three of you, or excuse me, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Agreement in prayer is powerful. What about agreement in worship? That's powerful, right? Paul and Silas, they're praying together. You guys know this story. Paul and Silas are put in prison. Around midnight, what do they do? They start, they start worshiping, right? They're singing hymns and songs. All of a sudden, a violent earthquake shakes the jail. Chains fall off. Gets crazy in there, right? Unity. But there's one passage of scripture that I want to cover that I think displays and it paints a beautiful picture of what unity looks like in the Bible and the power of it. And it was written by David, Psalm 133. And David says this about the power of unity. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion, and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. So there are two things that David compares unity and harmony to. And if we're if we just read this normally, we can skip over it without ever really, really thinking about it. And in fact, I didn't really think about part of this until I was preparing this message. And I wondered, what was David getting at with some of these descriptors? So the first thing that he compares harmony to is he says in verse 2 that harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head. In that day, it was really common for a traveler when they would arrive at somebody's house for people to pour oil over their head. It was intended, there were two things that was intended by that. The first was it would refresh the traveler. And the second was it would create a sweet, pleasant fragrance for everybody. (laughs) So think about what does David say about harmony and unity? He says it's refreshing and it creates a sweet fragrance. That's, that's what we want. That's the harmony and unity that we want. We want that sweet fragrance. We want to be refreshed. Look at this. He says the oil that was poured over Aaron's head, it runs down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Here's the picture. I mean, depending on where we define the border of his robe, you know, that could be a couple of different places. The the point is this, it's a lot of oil. We get that, right? And the amount of oil indicates that harmony and unity create abundance. Do you see that? There's overflow. David says that. He says that harmony, it's just like this oil that's poured down overflowing. Not only does it create refreshing a sweet fragrance creates overflow and abundance. The second thing he compares it to 
This one's a little bit harder. Like I've read this scripture many times and I've never really thought about Mount Hermon and the mountains of Zion. Just thought, that's nice. But listen to, listen to what this actually means when you start to understand the context of this. It says, harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And I want to read this to you. This is a picture of thriving, healthy life. The dew refreshes the ground and creates a lush green vegetation that is in stark contrast to the rocky desert all around. So Mount Hermon is lush, it's green, with vegetation everywhere in the middle of this big dry desert. And that's due, well, it's kind of, it's due to the dew. <laughs> <laughs> Got into that, didn't know how to get out of it. So it's the result of the dew, right? Do the dew. Okay, it's a Mountain Dew commercial now. Hey, don't lose our focus here. The, this is powerful. It's a picture of thriving, healthy life. It refreshes the ground. In fact, it's said that the dew is so prevalent that travelers that go to the area, even in the middle of dry weather, when they wake up the next morning, their tents are completely soaked as if it had rained the entire night. That is what David says harmony and unity is like. It's refreshing. It brings life. It brings abundance. That's the harmony and unity that I believe the Lord is calling us to. And I believe it's achieved as more and more of us operate in those gifts. Remember our beginning passage. There is no weakest link. Every person is important. Every one of you has a gifting. Every one of you has a calling. The Lord wants to help you discover it. He wants you to walk in it. And look at the beautiful image that's created when we do of Christian unity. That's what it's all about. I want to close today, and I'd like to ask you to stand with me, please. And what I would like to do now, but before you move anywhere, let me just kind of explain this to you. Um, I want to pray for us, and I want to pray for unity among us, but I want us to do something as a response to this. And before, before you move, um, I'm just going to say this, and I am aware of the season that we are living in, and I'm aware that people have different comfort levels with joining hands. I would like us to join hands to pray, but I understand that that might make people uncomfortable, and if it does, that is okay. I don't live in fear of COVID. However, I don't believe something so small and trivial should create a division in the body of Christ. So don't let it be a divisive thing. Does that make sense? If, if it bothers you to join hands, do this. This is what I teach fifth grade boys, because you know when we folk dance, they ain't holding the girl's hand. It's not happening. It's the truth. Hey, do this. Do, do a little elbow connect if that bothers you. Or there's hand sanitizer in every bathroom and at the back of the sanctuary. If you want, as soon as you let go, go back there and don't everybody rush it at the same time. Just clean your hands. What I'm saying is this, you guys, please don't let it be divisive. The enemy would love to let something so trivial that Christ has already conquered be divisive for you. Don't let that happen. It's just not even worth your time, okay? So would you position yourself close to somebody, link up with somebody in the sanctuary in some way, whether that's joining hands, 
whether it's the holy elbow connection. We could coin that term, make it something, right? Hey, hey, the point, the point is this, right? The point is, the point is about unity and harmony and, and a response to it. And that's, that's what I'm encouraging you to do today is to respond to it as I pray over you. Father, thank you for these people. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the giftings that are in every single person in this room. I thank you that those giftings are without repentance, Lord, and that you want to, you want to reveal and develop those giftings in every single person in this room. And that as you do, we will learn to walk in unity and harmony, not only because it's part of your plan and it's been your plan from the beginning, but because it will be a witness to those around us and it will reveal the Father's love to them and it brings glory to you, Lord Jesus, when we walk in unity and harmony. And furthermore, as we do, we know that you will release blessing. That's what Psalm 133 says, that in that place of unity and harmony, not only is there refreshing, not only is there a sweet fragrance, not only is there life, not only is there fresh vegetation, all of those things, there is abundance, and that's where the Lord commands the blessing. So we know that in our unity and harmony, Lord, you command a blessing. And so I pray for us as a body that we would learn to live in unity and harmony, that we would learn to love. And I want to actually, I want to take the chapter on love, and I want to pray this over us today. Father, would you teach us to be patient? Holy Spirit, help us to be kind. Help us not to be jealous, boastful, proud, or rude, or to demand our own way. Help us not to be irritable, Lord, keeping no record of wrongs. Lord, help us to rejoice when truth wins out. Let us never give up never lose faith, always be hopeful, and endure in every circumstance. And Lord, would you get all of the glory for what you do in our midst, Lord God. We love you. We give you praise, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like, subscribe, and share it out across social media. If you'd like to know more about Harvest Church, you can visit us at harvestak.com. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.